Colin Accord, that Carter Hutton's probably gone. Eric Nystrom, if they can get out of his deal, is gone. Then you have Eric Nystrom, and you didn't play him at all during the playoffs, or you played him for one game in the playoffs. Yeah, that, that kind of speaks volumes to kind of what the DJ Black Hole. Yep, pretty much. So before we even address the other guys here, let's go ahead and see if we can fill out like kind of what do we got, what our ideas for the roster next year. Ryan Johansson, obviously number one center. Uh, if say if you were going to be asked to come up with Predators lines for the start next year at training camp, uh, coaches Link and Darty, who would you put around Johansson as your top line? I I would probably try out. Johansson with Neil and Wilson first. Mm. Mm. I think the combination of Neil and Wilson really seemed to work. Uh, now Wilson's Wilson's uh, uh, the type of player that can be moved around. I think uh, obviously Johansson and Neil are top line players. If if Wilson doesn't work out there, I think you could go back to uh, a Yarncrock or um, or Arvidsson since that that kind of worked. But I think there was too much. We saw too much chemistry between those to to not try it. Yeah, uh, I mean that's th- what what Alice just said is sort of like, hey, you want a slice of pepperoni pizza? I'm like, yes, that's yeah. exactly what Sounds I want incredible. at all I mean, times. Why would what I say time no of the day is doesn't yeah, it could doesn't be midnight. Matter. I don't even care where whatever. it's from. Mm. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, honestly, like, <laughs> hey, dude, I just went to Little Caesars. I got a couple. Yeah, sure, yeah, sure of course. That, that's actually like a staple of like every high school football press box I've ever been in. Like Little Caesars pizza is big since the five dollar revolution came through with them. Yeah. But you know what else you can get for $5? What's that? Carved turkey and bacon sandwich at <laughs> <or> Subway. <laughs> and it's the bread just really crispy. And it's uh, $6 dollars now. Crawling all freaks. No. Welcome into a show that has dusted the cobwebs off the control panels and blown dust everywhere and cobwebs and all that good stuff. We haven't been here in a while, Link. I, I keep things clean? Yeah. Fair point. This is the Predcast brought to you by Lions on Internet Marketing Solutions on theforcheck.com. He's Chris Link. He's Alex Darty. She's Maria. I'm Dan. Hi, How Dan. How's doing? Hi, Dan. Hey, everybody. Well, it's good to be back. Let's get the, uh, let's get the awkward stuff out of the way. Um, how are your Premier League teams doing? Good, good, yeah, great. Yep, just beat City two 0 That's satisfying. Yeah, number two in the one point behind them in the standings. The only undefeated team in the, the Premier only League. only undefeated team in the Premier League, and Liverpool are right there behind you. Uh, uh, I think Arsenal is actually in third right now. They're in third because they scored right. a they scored a goal offside with a handball. I see. I didn't see it as offside. I did see the handball though. It was because it, it went off the um. So the guy who yeah. made initial contact was onside. Okay. Knocked another guy who was offside right. who also had the handball, and they counted it. So, um, Arsenal still that still cheating and in, in denial that they cheated. So that's yeah. normal. It's going to come down between City, Tottenham, and Liverpool. I think. I think those are your three to compete. I think Everton's completely fine with a number five spot, which, you know, dooms them to the Europa League and completely having to overexpend their, their roster next year. Yeah. I met a Everton fan from Chicago in a coffee shop downtown today. Did he have he dark was, hair? He did. 
Hmm, I may have met this guy before. He was wearing, I think, like an orange t-shirt or orange zip-up or something. There was orange and blue. Like, he was a Florida fan, but he wasn't a Florida fan. Do Everton fans have, like, an app on their phone where you know where they all are and keep track of, like, all the different Everton fans? That's something we should definitely invest in. I just figured they probably did, but... Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. They do, what are they, the science of football or whatever? School of science, sir. School of science? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) See? They... they, they Grand old club. Make apps from science. Is that how apps are made? (laughs) Science? Yeah. Math, you know, words. <laughs> also, do you guys have? Be- I know you don't. Uh, baseball. Do you guys follow baseball teams? Of course. Who's your team? The Braves. Braves, do you? Uh, Braves, Blue Jays. Blue Jays. Yeah, I've I have uh, accepted the Orioles into my heart because Tampa because Bay is, refuses to do anything to improve the team or anything like that. Much like how the Jacksonville Jaguars like at least try. I at least want a team that at least tries. I don't demand success. The Florida Gators have won three national titles in my life. I don't feel the need to, you know, I'm content on that front. Um, but something I wanted to touch on, the Braves today played their last game at Turner Field. Turner Field was originally Olympic Stadium, built in 1996, had like a funky little weird side, you know, that was stuck out when the uh, track was in place. And that ended up being the home plate area. So reconfigured into Turner Field, not Hank Aaron Stadium, but he actually named after Ted Turner. And last year for that facility, the Georgia Dome, where the Falcons played today. Last year for that facility too, right? They're building uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, the one that has like the Lotus-style r- roof that opens up. Gorgeous. Incredibly expensive, but gorgeous. And then you had the Hawks ownership uh, last year asking the city for, hey, uh, we need a new building because the Atlanta Spirit Group did no major renovations to... Phillips Arena, it, you know, it has like the weird Hollywood Squares um, luxury suites, but for the most part, it's, you know, kind of a just plain Jane arena. Well, as of 2016, the ownership for, for the Hawks have uh, changed their aim a little bit to maybe more of a renovated Phillips Arena. The uh, Kasim Reed, who is like an absolute comedy, you know, show mayor, like, I don't understand, you know, some of the things he's done there, but he's already committed, what, $120 million to renovating the building. I'm bringing all of this up because earlier this year, earlier this year, the Predators uh, announced that they're looking at renovation plans to Bridgestone Arena. And I think this is incredibly smart because if you get the city money now, if you get maybe some other funding from it now, you're doing it before the Titans have a chance to complain about their gray, nondescript building with colored seats. Because at some point, the Titans are going to have to renovate that building they made a mistake by building it so simple with no roof or no kind of covering at all. It's a very weathered, weathered building. That's the reason why they had to refresh all the seats only after only, what, 15 years. And now that's, I think that's pretty wise because if the Titans don't you know, upgrade their facility, chances are, I mean, the reason why Tennessee even has a team is because Houston wouldn't build Bud Adams a new stadium. Mm-hmm. So I want to get your thoughts on this. Like, where do you guys come out as far as the, um, the situation in Nashville where the Predators are looking to upgrade Bridgestone Arena to make it last another 20, 30 years. The building's going to turn 20 years old n- not too long from now. Yeah. I, I I think that's interesting. I do think that the Predators are in a much better situation for that kind of thing. They they can get a lot more bang out of their buck for doing smaller innovations, especially because the area around them is just improving the, their value already with the Music City Center and a lot of the renovations around the area of the of Bridgestone Arena. Look around the Titan Stadium. What? How could you even improve that area? They planted some new trees. Oh, okay. <laughs> a park, maybe? I mean, there's yeah. no way you can improve other than improving the stadium. Renovate the Knights Inn. Yeah, there you go. The Knights Inn, the 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 tie trailer. I mean, there's not much you can really do. For those who live outside of Nashville, there's actually a Thai food 
restaurant made out of a single wide or is it a double wide or single wide? Single wide. Jeez. Which one is that? Is it? Thai Phuket. It's apparently the Thai best. Fu- oh, I it's actually had Thai Phuket this. I, I had um, through uh, order up this weekend. Oh, yeah. It's apparently very the best good. Thai food in Nashville. Oh, it's really good. I had a uh, uh, lard na, which is a cream sauce with uh, tofu. It was really, really good. Hmm. I always get their curry. It was weird. The order up, up didn't have their curries on it. Like it had a curry section, but you couldn't. I'm like, oh, I want to. Probably because you can't sign the waiver. I, I do not fear curry. <laughs> I think I agree with your point, though, uh, Dan, that um, it's smart to get in on this now. Uh, they, they are in a better position, though, than the Titans ever will be with that stadium because of the location. The Bridgestone Arena is in a great place, I think, for, for any kind of renovations to happen. It's just any, anything they can do to make it a little bit better is just going to be magnified by, the, by where it is. Yeah. And the city has pumped a lot into the area around yeah. it that they can't really do for Titan Stadium. No, right. um, do you think? I mean, this has been not our not our uh, expertise by any means. But do you think Nashville, um, if the Predators do get this commitment from the city, do you think that puts the Titans behind the eight ball in the sense that now the state either has to contribute money or the city? Which I mean, Nashville doesn't have a ton of money just laying around after all the civic projects they need to build, and plus public transit, low. Yeah, you know, well, public transit, transit and, yo, and been knocking I mean, the door for fifteen years now. It, well, fifteen's probably not generous enough. I'm talking about like time. rapid, you know, like rail. We've been. I mean, that's mostly been like a fifteen-year. I mean, they keep pushing the year back to 2040 now. But, but there's also you also have a um, USL soccer team looking for to build a state a soccer-specific stadium somewhere in this in the city. You have maybe an MLS team that's that's going to be moving aggressively and would need a soccer-specific stadium as well. Um, that are going to be trying to grab for money. There, there's just so much going on that, yeah, I mean, whoever gets in first is, is going to be really happy, and the, the teams that fall behind are going to find themselves in trouble, especially something like the NFL team that needs a ridiculous amount of space. Yeah, and you see what Atlanta did where, where when they did build Mercedes-Benz, uh, or when they are building Mercedes-Benz uh, uh, Stadium there to replace the Georgia Dome, it does have a soccer uh, configuration to it. Similar to what uh, BC Place has with the for the Whitecaps, um, I think they can get around the whole soccer specific stadium if they build the right type of facility. But we're talking about tearing down and rebuilding a facility, or doing something similar to what Miami does and Miami did, and that's build a giant like umbrella style roof over their existing structure. Except it's not retractable because Miami. But something to think about. I mean, I, I think that if you haven't seen the uh, the renderings yet, I know the the scene has them up. The Nashville Post and the Tennessee and I'll have them up. Looked really cool, and uh, I think it's going to add a whole lot to the just the longevity of the of the uh, of the team and longevity of the uh, the area itself. Because where else would you build the build Bridgestone Arena right now? If you had to, if let's say that, hey guys, we found uh, like black mold or it's like that mm-hmm. tri- Christchurch uh, New Zealand earthquake, and we have to we have to abandon the stadium now. Where else would you build it? Uh, nowhere. It's it's in the perfect place. I mean, you would build it maybe on the other side of the river in like one of those like parking lots next to LP Field, maybe. But or I still call it LP Field, Nissan Stadium now. But that's it. I mean, they could bulldoze a Sound Stadium and take over that area. But it's talking not about Greer Stadium. Better. No, I'm talking about uh, in Germantown. Oh, that wouldn't bulldoze the minor league park. No, but they could Jeez. if they had to. <laughs> it's, it's finally Hendersonville's time. Marty is ready to ro- move him out. <laughs> It's finally Hendersonville's time. No, <laughs> they have to. They have to show they can competently host a watch party before that. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> you can also email otfeditor at gmail dot com <laughs> for your your next complaint here. Um, so the World Cup of Hockey. 
Um, I'll go ahead and lead off with this because uh, this is the first content I've provided um, hockey media, OTF of any type. I've even, I've no one's even said anything. I've been off Twitter for over a month and a half now. I have not tweeted anything since then. It's been kind of nice. First of all, let me talk about that real quick. There was actually a moment where um, I was, uh, and this is no, I actually wrote about this. There was actually a moment I was uh, sanding the hell out of a old piece of wood and just looking at my phone, have a seizure. And I just, I couldn't, I didn't want to pick it up. That was when I knew I needed to take away, take a step away from social media and writing and everything. It was like anything, anything one person did. It was just like, all right, I'm, I'm, this is not fun anymore. So regarding Twitter and social media, I just, I don't miss it. And I was probably going to like set my career back a bit, but whatever. Um, so with that in mind, I was, since I was not on social media, I was relying purely on radio and TV and big media to get me excited about the world cup of hockey. Didn't work. Did not work at all. Was there media? Yeah, ESPN covered it. I think part of the reason why the NHL did this stupid tournament to begin with is to, A, make money from Adidas and start strengthening that relationship, and B, get in bed with ESPN again. Because the the, the NHL is losing ground to other sports right now as far as TV goes. Like, are the ratings getting better? Yes, but everyone else's ratings are growing exponentially faster than, than hockey's. You're losing market share by that, you know, if you're looking at that metric. And, you know, this was, that was a smart move, maybe getting more involved with ESPN. But if you look at how ESPN um, covered the European soccer championships earlier this summer compared to the World Cup of Hockey, which, to be fair, World Cup of Hockey was airing in the middle of pennant chase baseball, the NFL, and college football. That's a lot going on. Those are ratings monsters, all of them. I think the timing was bad. I think the idea that ESPN was just going to suddenly turn on the faucet, hey, everybody, it's hockey. And the it's hard for me to to take a tournament seriously when you just have a bunch of very proud countries in Europe. Instead of having a actual qualifying like um, period where Canada's playing against Slovakia and the United States is playing against Latvia, and you're actually trying to qualify for this tournament, no, let's just throw the European teams in together. I had trouble taking the tournament seriously. I think ESPN had trouble taking the tournament seriously. And if you were listening to you know sports radio or uh, anything that wasn't in the hockey market, no one else took this seriously. Now, I I think I, I echoed a lot of your, your sentiment early on. I did give it a chance, and I watched it, um, and the product was pretty good for, for what it was. Um, it did taper and then plummet towards the end, however. Uh, the, the semifinal and the final were unwatchable. Um, Do the, you think that injuries, or what, what caused it to, was it injuries, or was something else that just caused it to taper off? It was almost luck. I mean, like the fact that Team Europe got in against Canada was just kind of dumb luck that was this perfect storm. I feel like if Sweden was in, it may have been a bit better, but I, I don't know. Well, yeah, it's the it's the problem you have with any tournament, and especially in hockey, and, and that's that there's so many little random factors that you know, a hot goaltender in the case of Halak or something like that, or, or someone just not being able to score goals means that you end up with a worse product just by bad fortune. Yeah, yeah. the Team Europe's best player forward probably was Leon Dreisaitl. He had two goals the whole tournament. Well, the Europeans are always more motivated when it comes to these competitions. Like, look at the Ryder Cup, you know, for example. Like, there's a reason why the U.S. gets their ass kicked in the Ryder Cup more often than not because the Europeans take it much more seriously. 
you know, Dreisaitl's playing for, you know, all of Germany. <laughs> right. Yeah, Team Europe really did seem to take it seriously and really bind together after getting their behinds kicked by Team North America in the pre and the prelims. Yeah, I think there's for them. I mean, there's something to be said for the the coaching there, um, and getting beat up pretty bad, and then saying, "Well, we, we you know we don't have all the stacks of talent, and most of the talent we have is older. So let's play a let's actually try to play a system oriented game, and try and take that into the tournament, which is." You know, typically what something like Finland does, which they didn't really execute on that well from, uh, you know, from what I saw. But, yeah, I think most of the other ones are in there. They have a few weeks together. They just say, we've got a ton of talent, and we'll just throw the talent at the net and make wins happen. And that works for Canada. It usually works, you know, it works okay for Russia if their defense falls to pieces. But uh, As is tradition. Yeah, as is as tradition. Imagine, imagine if they could actually develop defensemen. Wow. Hmm. Uh, but, yeah, it just... It, 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 watching a dull systems-based team in the finals of anything is just no fun. And both of the teams in the finals are dull system-based teams. Like, no matter how much talent Team Canada has, Babcock coaches that team the most dull way possible. Um, uh, so on what you were talking about with ESPN and getting back in with them, uh, by the way, ESPN has not jumped right back into the NHL. They are still just talking about the World Cup and they've moved on to the NBA and college football. So as they, as they should, because as they, should. they make money. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Here's something that's really sad though. As much as very little attention as ESPN actually gave the world cup of hockey, their coverage was still so much better than NBC's like their graphics, their introduction, their commentary, so much better. The camera stuff I thought was cool. Yeah. It was very, very well done as I, little as they care. I, I, I admit I struggle with the panels in between periods. And that's but it's not any better than or it's not any worse than like Millbury. Yeah, I mean, you you just hope they could find someone in the world of hockey who's not contracted who could do a decent job. But they ended like you end up with Chris Chelios. I mean, Bill Clement and Gary Thorne was like my bread well, Steve I, Levy. Like that's Well, but those guys, those were in-game yeah. guys. I'm talking about like the the talking heads between Even the periods. Even if you had like a panel of that was like, you know, Bill Clement who again, I very good very good in-game analyst and brought, you know, maybe brought in Terry Crisp or something. Because Terry Crisp used to have a relationship with uh, Fox, even in the midst of uh, the Predator season, which I know Fox was doing the team at that time as well. I think that would have been good. You know, have this, you know, guy who's practically spitting loonies talking about hockey passionately. I mean, that's good TV. I, I, I agree with you. The ESPN coverage is good, but I can't take Barry Melrose as a color commentator. I can't take that. Put him in between, give him, give him, make him, you know, obviously they're, they're head spokesman, but he, don't put him in the, don't put him on a mic in the middle of a game because it's pretty annoying. He looks the part, though. That's the only thing you could say about Barry Melrose. That's what I mean. He looks the part. That's exactly my point, is put him in between, put him at a desk so you can see him and you can hear him talk about it and give some war stories. But just hearing him talk during a game while it's going on didn't work for me. Yeah, covering up all the play-by-play. Yeah. Um, Question before we are, first off, before we get into like my series of questions, I want to get to all of you guys to answer on this first off uh yossi forsberg both look good yes. uh renee looked pretty good i mean comparatively speaking that wasn't the best finished team we've ever seen forsberg and backstrom Ooh, that's a good that's a good pairing that was good that was good it's a good pairing didn't backstrom play in washington wait a minute i think oh, you're geez. right that's strange oh man <laughs> you think those guys would have had some time to get i don't know what, what if they happen? were together that'd be amazing like on the pro team i, mean. I don't know that's kind of ridiculous when, when when would that happen how would that happen I'm smiling so hard it hurts. Uh, Ekholm, did, Ekholm had a pretty good showing. Ekholm um, was great. He played mostly with Eric Carlson, and he 
performed very well. Mm-hmm. We talked, uh, we're going to talk a little bit later on about, you know, defensive pairings, but I think at home, is, you know, it's another good showing. And he's so quiet. I mean, you look at everyone else, like what everyone else does, you know, he's a, very much that enabler type. And I'm looking forward to another step forward this year. All right. So money questions on this one. To ask you all of you guys about this. Does this feel like, did this actually feel like a legitimate big event or does this feel just like a preseason tournament? Oh, it felt like a preseason tournament. It felt like it, it, I did not feel like a big event. No, not at all. I'd compare it to the worlds that happens every summer about the same amount, like crowd size, drama, bigger names, but that's about it. My, my feelings could be summarized by going to Google, typing in, uh, World Cup of Hockey Finals watch party and just looking at the photos. Oof. That's <laughs> where you can summarize my feelings. Well, right, what's yes. in these photos? World, F- folks on Twitter know what's going on. Watch party. <laughs> uh, so the thing was they uh, they released on, on, I think it was over Twitter, um, this photo of like, hey, here's the watch party. And they had like one of the okay. announcers who was interviewing people. She was outside in front of them and they had and the, Maple Leaf the Square. Crowd. Yeah, Maple Leaf Square, and then someone got a reverse angle shot, and it was like 30 people clustered together <laughs> for this photo opportunity that they taken to make it try to make it look like it was packed. It was, um, and that was, I think, was that the game two? Yes, like, I believe so. It was either game, yeah, I think game it might have been game, two. game one or game two of the finals, and there were like maybe maybe 30 to 50 people who just gathered to watch it outside there's just not it that much interest that, it turned out that anybody who showed up you know right before the game that would have had to stand outside could get in for like eight dollars yeah and that's so, what they were that's inside the picture that i've pulled up i don't know if this is it but the picture i pulled up looks basically like if there's a, a tv on the street and there's people have stopped by because oh drake is coming out with a new album hmm and then they walk by yeah sort of like if there's a really good video billboard yeah nearby right yeah okay that that that's everything I needed to know on that on that one. Uh, what and going? I mean, if they're, assuming we're going to have this event again because money, what could the NHL do better going forward? Well, so they've already announced that they're going to go to all countries next year. There won't be a team Europe. There won't be a team NA. Good. That, so they're going to go to all countries. They haven't really. I don't think they've discussed how they'll select those countries. Qualify. Um, well, the the challenge is is that qualify is like the NA, the, the IA, IIHF hasn't really done qualifying tournament like qualifying matches like they do in soccer they just have you go to the tournaments you have a point there's a point system the teams that fall within the point system parameters get invited to the next tournament so yeah. you get bumped down um which makes it really difficult and plus it's, it's really hard to ship hockey teams around in season i mean you've got the chl champions hockey league in in uh europe with everything but the khl um, so that's another term that's already going on while the World Cup of Hockey is going on. So everyone, everyone is like watching the CHL and primarily being glad that their players aren't getting shipped off to World Cup of Hockey. Probably. What if they change the time on this? Because instead of having this event compete with college football, NFL, and all this other stuff in the states and somewhat in Canada as well, why not put it in one of those desert times of the year, like June, I don't know, the July, August? Well, then these guys who have very short vacations, very short recovery times. They're just losing that, and they're not probably making a ton off of it. Probably um, not. No, you're right. I mean, they're just yeah. You're just you're just completely wiping out the what little vacation they actually get uh, when they're not you know having to eat like regimented diets and you know working out six out six seven eight hour days and stuff like that. Taking away the private time that Drew Doughty has with that lump of cookie dough. <laughs> I think we're gonna see some, some, to say about some real 
repercussions of this later in the season, though. I think you, I think you'll see some players from this that you know have to take more time off. I don't I don't know how big of a problem it'll be, but uh, you know, obviously for a while here for the first few weeks of the season, maybe through December, things will be fine. But when you consider when you get down to March, April, and these players have been playing for an extra month on top of what they've already done. I think you'll see some some uh, some players maybe have some small injuries or just need to take time off. We saw that this we saw like some of that this year. We see that every year with teams like Chicago and Los Angeles that play mm-hmm. deep into the postseason just yeah. about every year. Uh, you, yeah, you saw you saw you saw real ones and fake ones this year, and there's going to be other ones coming out of it that are going to slow people down. Um, I mean, it's it's like, hey, what if the thing that made most sense was having the actual tournament take a break during the season? Have this tournament when everyone's in like their the prime, Olymp- no, and that people that. might actually care, and the players might actually care about. Because I mean, it could be a disaster if um, you know when the Olympics roll around, because there's going to be players who say, "No, I'm going to play for my country," and then the NHL's already passed the buck to the teams, where they've said, "No, you guys, like, no, it's like we haven't, we'll negotiate that," but then say, "Hey, teams, it's up to you." Um, so they get scolded if they let their players go, or they put themselves at a disadvantage. I, what's that going to do to some of the players? I mean, how excited are are just Canadians in general going to be when they're losing Olympic medals because they have a junior hockey team there? <laughs> I think it should be like the Olympics, where with soccer, we're twenty four and under. Yeah, I think. I mean, that's it, fair. I, mean, I, I think I still think NHL teams would, would Olympics, push back and fight that because that's like their cheap prime high end talent. That's true. Go ahead, Mario. No. What what could the NHL do better? I really th- like make, putting it, making it a replacement for the All-Star game or doing it like the Olympics. Something during the middle of the season when everybody is, you know, up to game speed. I think Ovechkin was talking about that. Thinking it would be better during the middle of the season where everybody's up, hyped up for it, already in game shape. So I, th- I think that's what they should do. Okay. So I just was going to say, I think it would be great if they do make it 24 under for the next one so that Connor McDavid cannot play for Team Canada. No, I'm talking about like for the Olympics in general. Oh. Just okay. 24 and under. Um, so if team, but if forward. Team Canada could somehow not have Conor McDavid ever on their team, that would be amazing. Yeah, and the the thing about it is like the NHL wants this to be the thing, and if you make it, you know, a 20, 24 and under tournament or something like that, and have similar rules, most countries don't really care about Olympic soccer, like the men's tournament. I mean, the no. premier event, the premier soccer event at the, at the Summer Olympics is the women's tournament, hands down. There's no doubt about it. Because the men's tournament is sort of like, well, I mean, you know, you have some good good player teams from Mexico, and it's some of the more South, South American and, and, and Central American teams. You have teams the Euro also the same summer. Yeah. And it's, the Euro is a serious deal. Yeah, it's it's sort of like this little little rinky-dink tournament of guys who couldn't make the senior team. You have Euro and Copa America both the same summer as the Olympics. Yeah, it's just, it, it, yeah, the NHL, they just they want more money. So getting they don't want to get rid of the All-Star Games. They want more money. They want this because they, they want people to give them cash. All right, next question. What could ESPN do better next time around? I've already made my suggestion. Put Barry Melrose behind a desk. I mean, I think maybe, yeah, I think it's try something dynamic with your on-air talent. Um, I mean, it's the, I saw Chris Chelios, and I was like, well, I didn't think he actually did that kind of stuff. But, it, you know, it's just more of the same like it didn't didn't say anything different to me than than NBC's coverage, um, with cooler just, cameras. Yeah, I mean yeah, the production quality it. was great, but the but the talent is just as boring as any other hockey thing. Maybe find something more interesting. Maybe find some younger voices or something to, to add a new fresh perspective that's not punch people in the face 
it, it was the way to go, and I can't believe they're not playing whatever. You know, it's, it was not easy to find. I have the ESPN app on my phone, and so I can obviously pull it up and see, okay, hockey, what channel is this going to be on? But if you didn't know what channels are going to be, is it going to be on ESPNU, ESPN News, ESPN2, almost never on ESPN? That's a good point. If you didn't know when they were going to be, like there was, you would never just like trip across a hockey game. D- drop the best of three for the final. Yeah, mm-hmm. that probably that too. Yeah. Um, make it a best of, of nine. No, make okay. it just, yeah, exactly. We need more games. All right, so we're talking about structure. Should the structure change? I mean, it, given given the constraints, I think it's about as good as you're going to get. Um, Except I, for the best of three part, I mean, right? Yeah, dropping the best of three and then getting rid of the gimmick teams. I, I think, I mean, then you're just default style tournament. I heard a good suggestion. Um, the top two, t- uh, the top team in each of the segments get a buy, and the next two teams below them have to play off to get in, and that would have made that USA check game worth anything. Yeah, here's another idea: get rid of the group stages altogether, do a double elimination bracket tournament, so that teams have to go through a loser bracket at the bottom. So you can like create storylines. So like some team that's really favorite gets eliminated early on, so they have to go through the entire loser bracket, and then try to make it back to the championship again. Yeah. Um. So like you do, and then it gets rid of the group stages, keeps it always being eliminate. Like everything's always matters, no matter what. Um. I like that. But I've been watching way too much esports, that's, and they're to me, all that's what double makes bracket the, uh, elimination. That's what makes the College World Series fun for baseball. Yeah. College baseball. That that's one of the more fun tournaments. That that's a sport that no one really pays a whole lot of attention to until you have the college world series Mm -hmm. because you have storylines like what Dallas Baptist is, is in the college world series this year. Wow. They're actually a really good baseball school. Um, (laughs) did this tournament feel or this whole idea just feel rushed because they just announced this, what about a year and a half ago, they were going to try this thing. And then they announced the, uh, the structure of it. And then, Hey, now we're all supposed to care. Did you guys feel rushed or did not just feel organic? You know, it's it's weird if you consider if you ignore the fact that there have been World Cups of hockey in the past because the the last ones happened long enough ago where you can easily. Like, you know, it's got to be weird anytime you're at the beginning of anything like this. You know, because a hundred years from now, and they're having the one if if they ever reach. Oh God, I don't. I just I worked myself into a corner. Four hundred years from now, when they have the hundredth World yeah. Cup of hockey, I don't know. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, and they're not even using ice anymore, and they're cat skating, and it's weird. Um. You know, they'll look back. You have all this history and everything. It builds up. But, like, was the first of anything? Because it was the first one. There's not history. There's not the sense. And hockey is so reliant on history and nostalgia that creating something brand new, you have to build that up and make people care. And I don't even know if the NHL was banking on it being that big in the first one. I think they're banking on the second one. If it happens in four years or happens in six years or, or whatever, I think they want that to be the big one and yeah. that one to draw the ratings. This one was just to get it started. I think the only thing that felt fake about it or, or not fake but rushed about it was this sort of fake uh, legacy. Um, this is a, a very all-important event for ESPN. That's the part that felt rushed to me. Uh, the tournament itself didn't feel all that rushed. I mean, just because it had been a – they were essentially bringing back something – but the sort of almost like this air of this the, finally ESPN is returning to the hot. We know that you want this and we're finally doing it. That felt extremely rushed. 
So it's just, I like things like ESPN. We know we, we we are like the masters of sports. We know you want hockey. Yeah, we're bringing it to you now, and it's sort of like going right, everyone, to watch a, it. Like, watch it now. Yeah, like you go to a, like a Italian <laughs> restaurant. Or like we really know you wanted this Euro, so we're bringing it to you because we know you had a Euro last last week. Yeah, so we're giving it to you. And you're like, I came for pasta. Yeah, I don't want Greek food. Like, but Greek in order sandwiches. to eat, in order to eat that Euro, you have to go log on to this computer and <laughs> watch it on ESPN 360. All right. I've heard enough talk about like what network it's on. Let's talk brass tacks here. <laughs> I, I don't prefer brass. So September 20th, which was a Tuesday, I picked this day because it has a lot of the same, uh, same television programming. You know, I'm looking, this is i I've got a list here of the cable ratings for that night. Um, as you can imagine, Fox news is, is destroys everything. Uh, Oprah Winfrey network had a really good programming. 2.3 million people watched that. Uh, WWE had 2.2 big bang theory reruns. NFL primetime world cup of hockey, Canada versus USA, which ran from around eight to around 10 30 Eastern. Is that primetime, Dan? That is primetime. That would be primetime. That would be primetime. Okay. Seven. Uh, the viewers, uh, right around 766,000 people. I brought this up and this is like one of the best watched games this entire tournament. It is one of the few to beat Gunsmoke on TV land. Gunsmoke on TV Land murders people. At you know, like six hundred ninety thousand people watch that particular episode. But I want you to focus on that seven sixty six number. This is USA Canada. This is like the marquee matchup for North America. There's nothing else that tops that as far as you know NHL related fans on ESPN. That's on ESPN, not ESPN two, not not the SEC network. ESPN, which by the way, the SEC network is technically ESPN eight. The Ocho is the eighth one. Slow clap. On, thank you. On July 7th, which was a Thursday, you had, uh, let's see, WWE had 2.2 million that night. The Olympic trials had 833,000. Wimbledon that morning had 800 grand. So the European championships with soccer, uh, the continental-wide Euro championships, Germany played France. You want to guess what the ratings were for that? In the U.S. In the U.S. on uh, on ESPN. Germany, France. Two thirty to five thirty in the afternoon, not prime time. One point two. Does no. that include the pregame? Higher. Oh. One point six million people watched a non-U.S. non-team USA soccer game at hmm. two thirty in the afternoon. It'd be infiltrated by German and French people. No, I watched that game. That was good. <laughs> That's a good game. The replay from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m., over 500 grand. This wasn't even the final. This was the, I think, what, the semifinal? Yeah, the final wasn't great. Yeah, the final was awful television. Portugal. System-based. Uh, <laughs> System-based club. They played like Chelsea. It was terrible. Yeah. So, anywho, that's... Um, Mourinho is Portuguese. Okay. Um, so that's kind of like my mic drop with the, with the, uh, with the world cup of hockey is that even though, even though it was on ESPN, even though it was in prime time, more people and people just, they couldn't make people care about it. You can present the material, but you can't make people care. And it did not rope in the casual people. Yeah, and I think that that's one of the biggest problems, um, that I, I'm surprised didn't come up with team North America and, and team Europe is that when you're billing yourself as the world, people see the world cup. I'm, this is me casting. I'm trying to cast my mind on the casual fans. So prepare for me to be terribly wrong. Um, casual fans who aren't listening to this, they don't know better. Um, people see World Cup. All right. They get that. Then you see the hockey part. Okay. So clearly it's the same thing as World Cup, but with, with ice and sticks and all that kind of crap. Um, 
But then they see stuff like Team North America and Team USA and Team Canada, and that's a little confusing. I mean, I had casual hockey friend, friends too. of mine who mm-hmm. were like, wait, Team North America is not like, why aren't they playing separately? Right. Uh, and then Team Europe is confusing as well because they're like, well, why is there like a, all these other countries? Like, they're Europe. Like, it was confusing. It was really confusing, and you didn't know why these were in there. And I think my guess would be that to some casual fans, they just immediately switched off or. It, in their eyes, it delegitimized. Uh, sure, go with that. Thanks. I added some extra syllables in there. <laughs> just I was, a couple. I was trying to emotionally work through it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just threw myself off. Uh, I, it just, you know, it, it, it caused problems. It was an issue, um, is what I'm guessing. It just, it's hard to rope people in when when the gimmicks aren't particularly interesting and they they detract from the international focus of the tournament. Yeah, I constantly saw questions over and over again. Okay, Team North America, then why is Canada and the United States playing? Team Europe, why is Sweden playing? Yeah. Well, you know, can you blame people? I mean, I think that episode of Gunsmoke was where Deputy Charlie had to go find whoever shot his horse, and that's just uh, that's a plot line I just made up. So, but, uh, of Gunsmoke. I'll buy it. But it Deputy it, Charlie, is that a character on the show? I have no idea. Marshall okay. Dillon, sir. <laughs> but if you, if you watch a lot of international soccer, you see all sorts of world-class names play for bad teams like Zlatan Ibrahimovic may not sound like it but he's Swedish and he plays for the Swedish national team who aren't very good and for a while he only played for Sweden Mm -hmm. like he didn't play for a club team for a while yeah Yeah. so I mean guys there are some guys who play like for a slow you know the Croatian team geez (laughs) like I don't understand how they're not good but they have so many guys playing for that team and they're still bad yeah I mean there's just there's (laughs) Denmark yeah it's such a bizarre (laughs) well they've Denmark has what? Ericsson. That's Ericsson. Yeah, Ericsson. Yeah. That's really it. But it's just, you know, these things happen. And instead of the NHL being like, well, that's the reality of the situation. Having international tournaments that certain guys like Angie Kopitar don't get to play, you know, in really big tournaments. It's just the reality. They said, no, no, we're the NHL. We don't believe in reality. We forge our own hockey reality. Yeah. And <laughs> and they they just that's right, threw them all together. And it's, they're like, it's, it's fine. We'll give them goofy but, uniforms and they'll skate and everyone will be happy and there's they won't make it deep in the tournament because they're all a mess like and they're those, like, oh no, it's happening. Like those poor Slovakian fans that were chanting, yeah, go Europe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but, the Slovakian but that's <laughs> when I mentioned luck earlier, they they just created their own luck because look who made the final. The, the final. Yeah, I they mean, sabotaged themselves. Exactly. So now we're stuck watching, you know, Thomas Vanek and, and Leon Dreisaitl playing together, trying to create this chemistry and Roman Yossi's in the room interpreting for everybody. <laughs> right. That was, I was wondering the same thing. What, what language is spoken? Are, are, what English, are they speaking on assume. the ice? Yeah. I, I would guess I, English. Maybe. Yeah. I, mo- I mean, they all play in NHL, so they all yeah, probably speak English. That's true. Okay. Are we finally through talking about this crappy <laughs> tournament? I, I, I think we were, but then we started having fun. And, yeah. Then we and, started poking, uh, that was good. Poking the Fi- corpse. Like my, yeah. my final thing is I did enjoy watching it, but I think it's kind of like that, you know, magazine in the doctor's office that you would you would read while you're there, but you wouldn't ever buy at the store or take Nashville with you. Nashville Parent. Hmm. I just yeah, exactly. Nashville <laughs> Parent or you know any any of them. I, I'll read it while I'm there. Interesting. Hmm, that's a cool article. But I'm not. I'm leaving it there. I'm not buying it when I go home. That's what this tournament is. I'm ready for the NHL. Does, I'm, d- yeah. does that make Team North America highlights? Um, yes, and that makes Team Europe uh, Rolling Stone. I, no, I think they're the, the the pamphlet thing with all the dental pamphlets in it. <laughs> Team Sweden's like some off-road magazine. Because <laughs> I'm making up the rules as I go along. 
Uh, let's talk about fun stuff. Training camp going on right now. Preseason games going on right now. Had one last night. You could not. Uh, it was a sold out preseason game. Oh, it was crazy. In the middle of the college football season. I've d- That's awesome. First time I've ever seen that. I mean, final score, Preds preseason, people, Lightning preseason. But people yeah. were in the seats. Those were fairly complete teams, though. I mean, they were pretty solid. You know, as far as yeah, they were just lineups, about NHL lineups. Yeah, they, they weren't playing like it was an NHL game, obviously. But you know, I mean, the lineups were were solid. Were exciting. Game winner by Cody Bass. Yeah, not exactly NHL rosters. Oh, the playoffs. Remember the playoffs? He won faceoffs. Mm-hmm. Remember Game Seven of, of the first series? Where he like Wiley? No, that wasn't the Wiley Coyote game. No, that was the no that the was, game winner. That's right, Paul, Paul Gostad. That's right. Who's now recently retired? Best of luck, Paul. Uh, I really hope he gets in the media. I think he has this. Uh, I think he has the persona for it. Link. No, I hear. I hear the World Cup of Hockey might be hiring for talent. <laughs> you know what? He would have been money on that. I mean, he talked about like I me mean, talk about playing a system based game. He would have been able to, to completely, you know, say right when they're right what the Team Europe folks are doing. You know, yeah. I love you, Paul. We we have shoveled so much dirt on your career on the show. But Paul, I, I, hey, he's not playing hockey anymore. I have nothing to criticize him about. And you know what? I hope he becomes the new color analyst for the Nashville Predators. I'll say I it. hope anybody does. That's a good point. We'll talk about the skate of the union in a bit. <laughs> um, I um, anything stick out as far? I mean, training camp so far. The roster, uh, the roster got trimmed down to thirty-one today. And who all was at the game last night? I was. I was. Mm-hmm. What were your takeaways from the team that you saw? Um. Ekholm is is ready to go. I mean, I really feel like Ekholm Ekholm stood out to me as a, as a player that uh, he just he seems to really get his role, and he is he's a just a very consistent and solid player. Um, Forsberg looked a little slow, but I think he's probably just getting back into it. Um, of course, PK Subban was was just fun to watch. That's what stood out to me. I think is it possible to analyze training camp beneath the sun of PK Subban and the glory he reigns upon us? Yes. Oh, well, um, all right. <laughs> Find out. No, I, I'll be over here. <laughs> your point is taken. Yes, that, that is that's a good point. It is, Mario. I was really impressed with, I believe it's Gerard. Felix Gerard. Yeah, Felix Gerard. He played what sixty. He played a lot with PK Subban last night. Okay, I know Ekholm spent some time with Subban as well. And they split them up fairly um, early. I believe they played a few shifts, and Subban was pr- still pretty rusty, as he said in the post game. And so they did a lot of rotation throughout the pairings. I mean, we we know we just kind of buried our like, you know buried and had the funeral for the World Cup of hockey. But do you think that the World Cup actually benefited some guy, a guy like Matthias Ekholm, who doesn't play the most physical game in the world, mm-hmm. and you know he's a guy who's going to come in pretty healthy? And do you think as far as timing and stuff that helped him? You can definitely tell, and I've heard a lot of uh, hockey commenters talk about it. The guys who went to the World Cup of hockey are already in midseason speed. So when they're coming into their training camps and everybody else is just getting back on the ice, that's creating a little bit of discrepancy there. All right. I would say that and also about focus, too. I, I know we're going to talk about the Skate of the Union, but he looked very focused at that even. I mean, he from from day from starting the whole Saturday off, I mean, I think he just looked very focused and his speed was there. He looked, you know, even though it was a preseason game, I think he looked, he looked the part. Um, I would say there's some to that. Yeah. All right. He had a brilliant drive. He didn't score, but at the very beginning of the game, he, he had a brilliant drive directly up to the net. And it didn't even get mentioned anywhere else. But if he right. would have scored that, that's all you would have heard from last night. Sure. Mm. Um, team news today, they did send back uh, Max Gortz, uh, Justin Kirkland, uh, Jack Doherty, among others, Mike Leambas. Um No, Mike. We hardly <sighs> knew you. Yeah, he, 
I, I want to cheer for guys like that just because, you know, everything they've been through. But at the end of the day, it, you know, the game has completely changed. Just we can a, call him up when we have to play Columbus again. That's right. That's right. Um, so we saw the debut of, or the, well, let's just say the debut because they, they wore them last year, unfortunately. The gold helmets are now a reality the entire season. We're all shaking our heads like, no, this is, this is not good. It's one of those things. Like I don't even did they did they poll the fan base or anything to see if people like them. I mean, because I, I really a lot of us exist in in a combination of a media or Twitter feedback box, but I don't know anyone except for a few very vocal people who like them. And typically, when you can identify the vocal minority, you know something's up. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That is so true in like every form of life. Yeah, you know, you can find the vocal minority. I mean, I'm not saying it's they're wrong, but it, it requires further examination. Yeah. I say that to cover my own self being sometimes being the vocal minority. Um, I don't want to be the crazy person. <laughs> Alex, I don't, don't, don't start with me. <laughs> I, I didn't hear anything about any sort of you know polling. I really think it's just doubling down on the branding. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess we'll get used to them. Everyone's. I, I like. To, I think I described the branding for the Predators. It's like everyone's kind of fine with the branding. <laughs> no one like go wakes up. It's like, you know what? Preds gold is all is like is the thing. Like it's the, like, it's just sort of like yeah. The Predators wear gold. It's the way things are, and th- that's actually kind of good in my opinion. But the Predators are still treating it as though it is this like totally unique, amazing iconic. It's like you guys aren't even the first to wear. Um, you know, gold yellow helmets, and you won't be the last. And you just look like weird skating French fries now, and it's not fun on TV. What was your point about they're not fitting? They look like they don't fit. Yeah, they always look like they're slightly crooked or sitting up a little higher on their heads. You're right. I think that's exactly what it's very strange looking. Now this is another example of this team drawing a line in the sand when they don't have to. I think that's fantastic. That's that's exactly that's exactly what this is. They can't lift good enough. B. And we talked a bit about, you know, people recognizing that, you know, that certain teams in the World Cup of Hockey were gimmicky and maybe they were turned off. Let's, um, this doesn't apply to anyone in this room, but let's think about, you know, like Joe Schmo, you know, college football fan that, you know, maybe I think about my getting to hockey, you know, a lot of my, my, my kids like it, a lot of people in their school like it. And there's this team that's trying so hard to just be like this, I don't know, like it, it's almost like a, uh, I can't really think of a good way to describe it, but they're trying way too hard to be different and not just try to be a hockey team. You have a team that we're going to get into later on with this roster that could be a very special team, but that's not good enough. No, we, we got we to gotta have more gold. We got to do, you know, we got to make a look that no one's going to forget. No one's going to want to emulate this. You know, we're, <laughs> well, that's, that's true. No one's going to want to so, emulate it because, you know, it's, this is something that losing teams do. They tinker with uniforms until they figure out something that works. Case in point, there's like a half a dozen college football teams that you know, will change out uniforms all the time just to make a big noise until something finally works. And that's their iconic look they stick with. They don't mess with the uniforms while they're winning. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think there's a lot to what you're saying, Dan. Mm-hmm. I want to tweak it a little bit. Go for it. And so, you know, the Predators for so long were... You know, clearly the rerun was part of the revitalization of the franchise. Like we're not yeah. just the the get it done guys and and you come here, yeah, really like the, the try hard mentality and you want we wanted them to come here and have a nice evening out and you know have your kids have an ice cream. You know, th- so they're you know very much trying to get away from that. And they said, here is where we want to go. Like they, it's like they have gotten a market strategist 
marketing strategist and said, we're in chart at every single point on a journey to a particular brand end that they've labeled with a big thing that says iconic branding. And the problem with that is that if you look at most of the iconic branding in, in the world, it starts with a really good brand, like a really good image, really good colors, really good everything. And then it, it establishes itself on its own merits. It doesn't say, well, now that people have gotten used to this and everyone's like, okay, we're fine with the yellow, we're going to launch another yellow thing and say, oh, okay, we're fine with that yellow. And, you, and layering it like you were describing, Dan. Yeah. It, you know, it's like they've said, here's the destination. We're going to go there regardless of what anyone says and they'll like it. And, no, we're, and we're not going to listen to anyone because they haven't seen the final product yet. Well, what if you're creating a final product that no one really likes or wants? No, because they always have their vocal minority there to give them affirmation. Is that this team? This town is, or this team has convinced itself that the vocal minority in this town is only like is enough to get them by. Don't uh, you think I, that like maybe an inkling of transparency in terms of like what if they came out and said like we did do a poll and there were a lot of people who really were positive about it and just because your Twitter feed disagreed, maybe there are a lot of people that liked it. I, I don't know. I'm just saying that wasn't a it wasn't publicly of, available. Yeah, or that, I think that's it'd be what I mean. Great yeah. if they did it. I mean, I would, I would want it to, you know, have been conducted by like an actual research firm or something. Or, like, yeah, no, I agree with you. I just it, the fact that it like, felt like a decree, a... you know, it's just a little bit off-putting. Well, the Oilers' new mascot was de- was developed by a marketing firm out of, actually out of Alberta, and they did. I know most of us don't like it, but they did a lot of studies with children to say, okay, which mascot did these kids like the best, and it turned out to be what they eventually settled on. Mm-hmm. I don't think they did anything like that with these yellow helmets. I have not seen this. The Oilers' I, new mascot. I, oh my god! Well, I think I think that. That's oh my god! Once Dan calms down, look at this. <laughs> We've seen it. Yeah. We've seen it. Oh, see, that, I mean, that, that brings up the thing. Like, it's a bunch of adults commenting on how weird a mascot is. I mean, it, but but as adults, we also think clowns are pretty weird, um, and and we think a lot of things that kids mm-hmm. have, are given are kind of weird and creepy. I mean, the whole Teletubbies thing from from yeah. years ago. SpongeBob. Well, Great, great, big news. These things are designed specifically for kids. So if it tests really well with kids and we're like, oh, it's weird and creepy. Well, that's more on us than it is on the Oilers because it sounds like they did their jobs. Yeah, I hate all mascots, so I don't see why this one would be any different. Mascots are kind of bad. I like mascots. I don't care They're for creepy. Them. I remember I was so hungover at the uh, at the Columbus uh, fanfare uh, last year in the All-Star game that when Finn the Whale bit my head, I like felt it for hours. His little felt teeth. I felt it in my Were skull. Were you hung over? I was something? hung over. Son. Okay, I'll well, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> that media reception kicked my ass. Yeah, I'll own that one. Um, <laughs> I think John and Jason actually got a picture of like a predator's bobblehead on my knee or something, where I was just out on the couch. Yeah, that that was too much for me. That's when the, the line was the line was there, and I I took a big step over it. Anywho, um, hockey. What's that? <laughs> it, to me, it's it's another example of, of we talked about the team drawing a line where they don't have to. They've been doing this for a good while, and you know, and in the moment that someone of us says something, you know, dissenting about it, we hear from the vocal minority saying, "Why can't you guys just be real friends?" You know, the people who kind of accept it. It doesn't it doesn't truly matter in the grand scheme of things, but it's just one of those things that we're going to look back 10, 15 years ago when the Red Wings are wearing their same jersey, the mm-hmm. Lightning are wearing, wearing their same jersey, the Blue Jackets are wearing something that's similar to their current jersey, and the Kings have their, they're looking, the Predators are going to be, I don't know what they're going to be wearing. And just like, wow, those were some times. 
The Blue Jackets have cycled through a few different things that have looked pretty bad. When they first entered the league, they were like, nope, this has nothing to do with the Civil War. It's just a bug. And now it's like, you know, yep, now we have a cannon. Now the cannon is our primary logo. What bug? Stinger? Oh, he's just there. I was just going through like other alternative logos. I'm like, oh, for their next for their next big anniversary, they should have like a hard tech like tertiary logo for their shoulder patch. Um, I mean, it could be a pizza box they give out for pizza during hmm. the games. What so they can have like a slice of Hunt Brothers Pizza making the guitar pick logo? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, geez, you can actually play guitar with a slice of Hunt Brothers Pizza. I'm pretty sure you can. Oh my gosh, that's a beautiful song. <laughs> Maybe steel guitar with it. That'd be even worse. Um, Depends uh, when you we're going to take our break. We'll come back. We're going to actually break down a bit of the rosters since the cuts happened today. We have a good, better idea of what the, uh, with only a 30 per- 31 person roster, we have a good idea of what the uh, roster is going to look like. Um, go through a few surprises with that as well. Also, five tough questions and some other news from around the league. Listen to the Predcast brought to you by Lionzone Internet Marketing. These days, you need a partner current and latest website design standards. One that also provides quality support services like hosting, email, e-commerce, CMS, and more. And you need a partner experienced in online branding and marketing, like social media, search engine marketing, rich media, and email marketing. You need a partner that knows how to market your company in today's age of advertising. You need LionZone. Their professional staff and partners have the know-how, creativity, and experience to help you reach your marketing goals. Contact them today for a free consultation at 615-353-0402. That number again is 615-353-0402. Or you can reach them on their website at www.lionzone.com. Lionzone, Nashville's leading internet marketing agency since 1999. Welcome back in. One of our, uh, our annual traditions here is going through the roster and uh, looking at some of the changes and kind of gauging where people, where uh, particular players will land as far as their roles for the upcoming season. One thing the Predators did that Link and I, our icy black hearts have just grown four sizes larger on, is that uh, it's fun for us now to look at this roster and kind of look at it and diagram it out using our traditional index cards or post-it notes and not see Paul Gostad and Eric Nystrom on this list and think about where they're going to be hypothetically played or hypothetically scratched and then accepting reality that they're somehow still going to be playing and have to, you know, kind of build around that. So high five to both you and I for no longer having a, after year five of the show, we no longer have to, to dance around that contract. That's amazing. Two of the worst boys in the NHL are no longer in the team. Oh, mm. I love it. Yeah, Our fourth line doesn't cost $12 million anymore. And this team made the playoffs last year <laughs> and won a round and lost their best and lost their worst players. So, yeah, this this is significant for us. But now Cody Bass is going to play more, of course. So I have, uh, for those here, I have, uh, this is the uh, essentially what they, what they played last year in the playoffs, uh, primarily. Uh, Philip Forsberg at the end of it was playing with Ryan Johansson and Craig Smith. Uh, playoff Colin Wilson was playing with Mike Fisher and James Neal. Just read that part. 
What's that? The regular season? Yeah, <laughs> I have, Colin, I have Wilson regular season. Colin Wilson, parentheses, regular season. Uh, I didn't make a playoff Colin Wilson one uh, yet, but I, I'm sure I could whip something up here. Uh, you had kind of a hodgepodge on the third line, the I hope it works line of uh, Yarn Croak uh, was playing there at times. Mike Ribeiro was scratched at times. Uh, Mika Salamaki and uh, Victor Arvidsson. Fourth line, I mean, Watson, Sissons, Bass, Salamaki, Bork didn't play any. Bork it, what's Bork doing now? He's on Colorado. a PTO with Colorado. You know what? That There's a lot worse places you can go because mm-hmm. that team does need someone like him that, you know, is used to playing without the puck. <laughs> Defense, I mean, it's I mean you have Roman Yossi and P.K. Subban at the top as far as the talent goes, and then you have Ekholm and Ellis. I mean, there's we're, we've seen that possibly Ekholm could be with Subban and where they can have him together. Um, is Granberg still around? Granberg actually, um, got, I, I think he got waved today, but knowing waved. that, I mean, Petter Granberg is probably going to be a predator. Yeah. You have Carl, Yannick Weber, Anthony Potato fighting it out for also for the bottom pairing as well. Mazinich is all but assured the backup position. Just looking at the Predators website, but dumb things have happened before. You uh, see Soros. Dog bites, maybe? You have UC Soros, uh, Kevin Fiala, Pana Soberg, and uh, Ladislav Kamenev as prospects that could crack into the lineup at some point. They didn't. They None of them were part of today's uh, roster cut. So Fiala, Kamenev, Auberg, and Saros are still part of the 31-man uh, roster. So, realistically, this is what the team is going to look like in some form this year. So, um, changes that you would make. I'm going to start with uh, Link and then work our way around the room. Changes you would make for the upcoming, uh, for the opening night roster. What would your lines look like? Ooh. Um, okay, well, I, I really can't fault a lot of your, your, your top two. Um, I'm a big fan. I also... If you look, uh, this should, this should be an up year for Colin Wilson. He seems to skip every other season. This is one of his on seasons, so maybe we'll get something big from him. Um, and so, I mean, I think those are fine. Uh, I think you, you drop Cody Bass immediately. I mean, he's a he's a fighter. Um, Did you just drop the Bass? And then I think uh, uh, I would move Salamaki down. Salamaki into Bass's hole. Yeah. All right. Um, Let's see. I think he, he, Yarn Croak, I hate to see it happen. Um, I think Yarn Croak ends up, I, I'd prefer him to just slot in over top of uh, Austin Watson, maybe. Like he'd be the third line winger. Count No, I mean, literally, like, put the put the stick on top of Austin Watson. <laughs> oh, okay. And then what do you have? And then you have Sorry, Kevin. I meant that very literally. Okay, then you have Kevin Fiala in the then third I'd line. Then I'd want Kevin Fiala to try to fight his way in. Oh. Um, and then I'd have Soros over Pecorine. Well, realistically, <laughs> it's not going to happen. Defense, what, you what do you think? You didn't ask me to be realistic. No, I just asked you a question. That's my <laughs> fault. Um, defense, what would you uh, What would you do? Uh, so, I mean, I think... Um, I, I mean, they've been playing Subban with Ekholm, and that, that's you know that's been working really well. I think that's fine. I really do think though the the the, the top four right there are going to see some interchange depending on deployment. Um, so I think you just leave them alone. You know, it's, I think there's going to be some movement. Um, and then I would pick for opening night. I would do uh, Yannick Weber and Matt Carl, mm. um, just because I think the Matt Carl reclamation project is going to be successful. I want to believe. All right, and Batetta will be your healthy scratch defenseman. Uh, t- Yes, in Link's world permanently. Um, so no, he's a he's a fine seventy. He's a fine seventy. We need um, him to get just enough games to be exposable in the expansion draft. Mari's on on point. Yeah, 
Uh, so review for you. You have Forsberg, Johansson, Smith as your top line. Wilson, Fisher, Neal as your second line. Fiala, Ribeiro, Arvidsson, third line. Yarncroak, Sisson, Salamaki as your fourth line. I'm fine with that, yes. All right. Let's go over to Alex. All right. So there are only two guarantees I, I see in the forward lines. Um, Sissons and, and Watson are together. So I, I'm going to take Yarncroak off of there. All right. I think Sissons and Watson are part of that part of that fourth line. And really, I think Salamaki is part of that too. I think the fourth line is almost settled. Okay. Um, but I do think that Johansson and Neal are together um, for, if, if not most of the year, at least at the beginning of the year. All right. And that would put Smith, Fisher, and Wilson together. They've played together before in previous years, right? So not... I, I, and the, the, where I where I am unsure is really. Do you try Colin Wilson on that top line? I, I'm not willing to make that switch yet, but because of that co- chemistry between Wilson and Neil late last year was so good, I, I think still uh, I would. To be honest, that the top six are are pretty much pretty much fine. It's Johansson and Neil. I think need to be together. The Ribeiro line, I guess I'd put four. I, I might try Forsberg, Ribeiro, and Fiala. Hmm. So were, you would take Forsberg out of position, put him on the right side. Or actually, Kevin Fiala would technically be on the right side because uh, he's left-handed, I believe, right? Uh, yes, he okay. is. Lobby likes putting these. Though. So what would you have then? You would have... So Arvidsson is this sort of... He can really play on any line. I mean, I just I don't see a line he couldn't play on. And so I feel the same way about Yarncroft, really. Um, but that's if, if Fiala makes it. And if he doesn't, then you know, then you put Arvidsson or Yarncroft in, in that in that right spot. Like Fisher gets hurt and, or Ribeiro yeah. plays like Ribeiro did last year. You have year. not actually constructed any lines, sir. Let's start this from, I would say, what, what would your top line be, sir? Uh, my top line would have uh yarn crock on it. All right. On that left, which was a popular line last year. Yeah. And then you got Wilson, Fisher, Smith, Forsberg, Ribeiro, Fiala, mm-hmm. uh, Watson, Sisson, Salamaki. Jeez. Yep. Okay. So of these three lines, I mean, we're actually of the, the Johansson Neil line or the, uh, Forsberg uh, line. Which one is going to play more minutes? I think it's pretty even. Right. I, I mean, I think your your offensive zone is probably going to go to to Ribeiro, Forsberg, Fiala. Your defensive zone will go to Fisher, Wilson, Smith. Just depends on the start and the situation. All right. Yeah. And defense. Uh, defense, top. I'd keep it the exact same way that that Link set it up. I would. Put, I definitely would put Yannick Weber on that third pairing with uh, Matt Carl. Um, Batetto will be sort of in the same position, the seventh defenseman all year long. Um, and goaltenders, right where you got them. Pecorine, obviously, and then uh, Mazin is just definitely going to be the uh, backup. So you'd have Arvidsson as kind of like your player in waiting. Yes. All right. Yeah. Interchange, you know. Yeah. Out for some games. All right. Maria. Yeah, I've got the same players, but in a very different configuration, or mostly the same players in the same configuration. I still have Johansson as a top-line center, but his wingers would be Forsberg and Fiala. Ooh. All right. I'm just moving this temporarily around. Okay. And so the second line would be Fisher, Neal, and Wilson. All right. So then you'd have Craig Smith playing... With Kelly Yarncroke. With Kelly Yarncroke. And yes. who would be his other winger? Either Ribeiro or Arvidsson. Okay. So you'd have... Uh, just sort of uh, on top of each other. All right. So yeah, this so that's some not, sometimes Ribeiro would take the draw, or at least feign, feign to take a draw, and the other times he'd have... Mm-hmm. All right. And, yeah, and then, then our permanent fourth line there. Okay. So you'd move Yarncroke to the center? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. And then for the defense, any changes? I mean, I would flip uh, Subban and Ellis. Uh, so it would be Ellis with Yossi and Ekholm with Subban. But same thing, Weber and Carl in the bottom pairing. Okay. And Maz is the backup. Um, my final my configuration would be somewhat similar. I would have um, 
here's the thing I, I'm I'm I would be interested to see is um, Johansson needs a left-handed shot beside him. I mean, I wouldn't say needs to. It would just be nice for him to have a left-handed shot. It's what he was comfortable with in Columbus. Again, he made Nick Foligno a whole lot of money. So I would put either Kevin Fiala or Colin Wilson to the left. I'm going to say Wilson just because he's bigger and you want your top line to be a little bit bigger. Um, I would put uh, Fisher actually next to um, – I put Fisher next to Forsberg. Um and Kevin Fiala, just for the hell of it. So I would do uh, I would do my top line, Wilson, Johansson, Neal, uh, second line, Forsberg, Fisher, and, you know what, I lied. I don't like that. I want to put Craig Smith instead of Kevin Fiala there because this will be your defensive zone draw line. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fisher's very defensively responsible. Uh, Forsberg is. Forsberg's actually legitimately defensively effective. And uh, Craig Smith's Craig Smith. Um, third line, Callie Yarncroke, Arvidsson, Fiala, just our absolute just speed line. Mike Ribeiro, honestly, if he doesn't, quote, have the summer of his life, again, we're talking about him not you know, having a spot on this team. If this team is built around speed, he's the one guy that's just like permanently like a old three-speed Ford transmission that has to like, you know, it's, it's just not going to be a – it just doesn't fit with what they're trying to do. And that's not me talking from a personal standpoint. That's me talking from a hockey standpoint. I, I don't see it. Um I don't think it really matters what your top four defensive are. Um, you can flip Subban, flip Ellis for regular strength, and then for for power play, you know, Yossi and Subban together in a power play unit, sex. You look at Ekholm Ellis in a power play unit, that's, you know, same. Uh, I'm with you on the Yannick Weber and Matt Carl. I think we're all in unison on that one. And, yeah, I think that that's – I think you, you have enough interchangeable parts up here, but for the first time in a long time, this team actually has – good interchangeable parts that we're talking about and not your, you know, lovable band of tryhards, as mm-hmm. Jason Zito would say. Also, so. You don't have to jam Gostad or Nystrom into the lineup somewhere. Right. No. You have a bunch of guys now that are, A, skating is one of their strengths, and B, play with the puck. And when there's injuries, there's actually guys you can step in into different roles and step in off the bench and be effective. Mm-hmm. And, and for the most part, it, all, we have a lot of players that can make each other better um, like I'm thinking, uh, there was a story that came out that, that was released today about Patrick Kane maybe taking off the line with uh, Pernarin. Um, and th- obviously the thought is to spread the scoring around. And so if you take Pat Kane off that line, uh, he's with Anisimov instead. I mean, I don't think there's any problem. Like, why would they? There's no real controversy there. Okay, so that just means Anisimov's going to have an incredible year. And to save money. Well, one thing uh, about Patrick Kane and um, Artemio Panarin, Patrick Kane had a amazing dish in the preseason game that I was not watching because I was at the Predators preseason game to, across the ice to Artemio Panarin. And he'd actually had the exact same pass that threaded all the way through all the opposing players, but the other player wasn't in position to receive it. Mm-hmm. So having that other player there on the same level of offensive ability really helps your other good players succeed. I think Stan Bowman's also looking down the road in this. Maybe he whispers something to Quenville saying, hey, um, Panarin right now is about to ask me for like $6 million. And, uh, you know, we've, we've seen this movie before. Like, not going to happen. Well, we do, just, do what you can to slow this he's down. He's going to be on a John, Do what you can to slow this He's going to be aligned with Jonathan Tate. It's not like he's going. He's banished to the fourth line or anything. No, but your offensive numbers are not going to be near as what they what they were before. Probably not. No. I mean, you're going to be paying, you're going to be playing against, you know, I mean – a different, you know, starting taking more defensive zone draws. Now Panarin's very effective on the rush, but that's a whole nother 
a whole other set of skills. Uh, so that was one of the big things I wanted to kind of throw out there is that um, leak sources, according to Scott Powers of TheAthletic.com, say that uh, Panarin's going to ask for a six- to seven-year contract with an AAV of around, like, Vladimir Tarasenko money, somewhere between Tarasenko and Barkov money. So around six to seven million. I mean, he's a guy who we're seeing him, but he is much closer to his uh, to his max potential than, let's say, uh, Forsberg is or, or um, Barkov. Oh. Because he's a bit older. He, Heron's how old? He's he's twenty five. Twenty five. Yeah, I mean, that's not saying that he's not good. I'm just saying that we're seeing apex. Yeah, I mean, close to apex. Big, yeah, I mean, he's Panarin. He's probably got maybe two or three years of of top level scoring. Yeah. So I mean, that's the thing to consider when you're putting that contract together. But six years, I mean, that's him ensuring. I mean, that's more him ensuring his career than a team ensuring that they have a player worth six million dollars for six years. And if he doesn't get in Chicago, he'll get it somewhere. Yeah, he will. Like a team like Vancouver, starving for someone like him. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's always a team that'll throw bushels of money at someone for no reason. I mean, the Rangers did it this year. Well, if he's asking for like a six by six, that's perfectly reasonable. It's a very reasonable contract for an elite winger coming off of an ELC, which is what he is. Yeah, I mean, that's oh, what with, with, only one, it's only one year of NHL play. Yeah, but at he that also, point it'll have been two. Will it have been two? Yeah, yes, this it'll be two and, at the end of this year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, well, okay, yeah, no, at the end of this year. As long yeah. as he puts up like sixty points, I think that you know he's ripe to ask for that. Yeah, I mean it's it's an overage. I mean, yeah, it's not impressive for an overage winner to come in and just be be consistent, but he has to actually demonstrate that. I mean, he could come in this year and just not have it. He could just not hit those same numbers and then still get four and a half, probably. Probably, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of variability left, and who gotcha. knows? So, um. One other bit I wanted to get out because uh, we didn't uh, we didn't talk about this the last episode because it happened uh, it happened shortly after we recorded. Jimmy Vesey ended up signing with the New York Rangers, which means that the free third round pick that Buffalo has given Nashville, Rim Pitlick, is definitely destined to be a Hall of Fame player. I mean, the, the results don't lie on this. I don't feel near. I mean, there was a guy who sent us like this really angry email when Mark wrote that article. Um, essentially like his, his, um, uh, secondary or his meta text was like, <laughs> which is accurate. And <laughs> sure enough, we now have the Nashville predators and just were given a third round pick essentially. If you're well, Buffalo, Buffalo had three of them. So. Yeah. Buffalo, I mean, Buffalo, I get it. You know, nothing spent, nothing gained, but as far as the whole Jimmy VC saga goes, we talked about him, like him, you and I have had this conversation where he's probably going to top out being what Kevin Hayes. You know, which is a competent NHL second-line player, you know, big guy. I, I think he's going to be a third-line, like, stalwart. I think that's because he's going to be third, like a third-line depth. Was that, was that an intentional comparison to Kevin Hayes because he backed out of his draft as well? Well, I think I, just that he seems like, a quote, a Hayes brother because he's a big guy, college player, you know. And and I think that that that, that uh, is actually a little bit coincidental. But also, isn't okay. Kevin Hayes part of the reason why he chose to go to New York? Yeah, that's probably, probably yeah. true. I mean, it is a very good comparison. Mm-hmm. I think that, I mean, it seems like college hockey anymore is turning out the same type of player. I mean, as far as, like, your elite-level college prospects, with the exception of, I mean, Eichel, Eichel, I mean, as far as, like, Eichel goes, Eichel's, you know, special. But I'm talking about college, you know, elite college wingers, they're all um, practically in the same mold these days. Well, there's Johnny Goodrow. Exception, yes. They're the same mold except when they're not. That's the point Dan is making. Yeah, they're the same <laughs> except when they're not. And, <laughs> Johnny Gaudreau is special. He's got his, he's got his contract coming up soon, right? Yes, he's not signed yet. 
Yeah, he's there's they have, they, haven't talk, they haven't talked some, since they have not talked since September 9th or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he's asking for the exact kind of money he's worth and they don't want to give it to him because he's like 4 years old. Well, Calgary has to somehow afford this arena. <laughs> <laughs> penny saves a penny earned, Link. Um, so I'm going through this NHL. Uh, this is something I just kind of picked up during the break. So I'm going through these new NHL websites because uh, NHL, they had the massive redesign. Uh, the team sites got, re- got uh, redesigned the same way NHL.com got redesigned. Have you guys seen this uh, where each team has like a font update? No. Yeah. This is their uh, the Predators one. kind of looks like a italicized military font. Oh, I have seen that, yes. Is the team using this at all? Um, I, I'm... Just now, really remembering that it existed, so I don't think so. But you're talking about the top logo. Yeah. Yeah, they're using that font, like in their pregame videos. Hmm. It's very there. It's because it's in place. Of, like this is the official Stars team font. Okay. Like this is what what they got with their Victory Green uh, re, um, relaunch. So, a bit quick for a rebranding on the uh, on the old word mark, huh? The word mark was never terribly popular, I don't think. No, the MP was not very popular. I like that MP. I have a hat with the MP on it. Oh, uh, official Predator sales data. I'm the data. vocal minority. Of yeah, the- you're the, yeah, but yeah, well, the official sales data said the MP logo is the least popular because they could not move MP merchandise. I have a collector's item. The the third the third logo sold extremely well. The primary logo, of course, always sells, but the the word the two letter word mark, whatever you call that, mm-hmm. they look like a guitar pick. No, the, the one that's literally was the, secondary. the NP. The oh, one's literally okay. just the NP okay. by itself. That just did not move. Okay. Yeah, I don't own any of that. No one no one does. That's why when they... Be- well, Dan. But yeah, they <laughs> ordered like a ton of it. And... Because they're like, oh, we've always had just the third and the primary. We should order a whole bunch. So they spent like... I think it was... Not last season. The season before that, maybe. They said, we're going to order tons and tons of stuff with the NP. And then no one wanted to buy it. Because they discounted it all very, very heavily. And then no one wanted to buy it. All right. Well, let's go and dig into. Uh, I mean, you're not wrong. No, I, I I'm think... the only person I've ever seen with the NP. You know, actually, um, when I used to work for a local retail uh, out retailer here, we had a uh, an, a blue NP shirt that had the player name on the back of it. This is like a custom thing we did with Reebok, and we burned through those. Like we had a Weber, Fisher, and a Rene one, and we couldn't. This was the first year they did the gold. I wonder what that says about like clientele, client like customer mix versus people who buy from the team. I think there's something to that. I think it was in the arena, everything is gold, and you're expecting to buy something gold. But if you're in just like a regular store, you know, buying something for like a casual fan, I don't know if he'll like the gold one. You give him the blue one. Uh, the store's in Franklin. People talk like that. <laughs> there's no, there's no like pinch in the gum for that accent franklin i'm sorry what was that last phrase there was no pinch in the gum <laughs> what that, that's a phrase i've heard before you know like people dip oh yeah okay this is man this that should stick out to you like the I, you know, you're not like not everyone dips, so therefore the people who are dipping should stick out, you know. Well, this, this I, segment I has been brought to you by Skoll. I I understand the 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 intonation of the voice, but the the terminology is what I didn't have. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> you didn't come from a very strong culture of dipping, huh? No, uh-huh. no. Uh, dipping is not quite as popular in in the Northeast. Wow, wow. Uh, at least the Atlantic area. The upper Atlantic area. I'm pretty sure, like, once you pass, like, you know, 
But you get south of like you know rural DC. I'm sure. Well, it I picks think up. the Atlantic area like stops like just below Philadelphia. Then you have the Mid Atlantic area. Okay. Yeah, which is separate. Okay, I understood. Yeah, when they quit playing lacrosse, I got you. No, that doesn't quite count because you know they play cross in the Carolinas. Fine. All right. Five tough questions brought to you always right. by a dynamic sponsor opportunity here. Number one, which player is more likely to have a bounce back season for the Predators this year, Matt Carl or Yannick Weber? Yannick Weber needs to have a bounce back season. He wasn't signed. He's on a he's on the David Poyle special. Therefore, he must not have had a great year last well, year. Well, correct. I mean, g- given given my opinion of both players, and given the question, I'm going to say Matt Carl because I don't really think Yannick Weber is recovering from anything. I know Vancouver fans were not happy with him, but I don't I don't think there was a problem with him either. Yeah, I think he did what he was worth. Matt Carl, on the other hand, being a buyout, definitely has room to improve. Um, I, I will say Yannick Weber because I do not believe Yannick Weber scored a goal last year, and as an offensive defenseman, that's not very good. Last or last two seasons with the Vancouver Canucks in 2014-15, Yannick Weber had uh, 11 goals, 10 assists, 21 points. Last year for Vancouver, zero goals, seven assists. Yeah, I, I think Weber will have a backup. Uh, sorry, a breakout. And what was the what was the phrase? Better. Better. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, a better year this year. Uh, bounce back was the be, word. Bounce yeah. back. That was the that was the phrase. Uh, he will definitely be. He's he he's in a proper role. I mean, he's an offensive like bottom pairing defenseman, and he'll be in a much better situation for that. He was trying. He was playing top line minutes for Vancouver last year. That's not. Yannick Weber does not need to be doing that. He has. He's he's basically stepping in and replacing Anthony Batetto in a lot of ways because Batetto was billed and and trained as an offensive defenseman. Yeah. And never really got that going at the NHL level in in a way. I mean, he had a few flashes. I mean, he had a few flashes, but he never got it consistently. Like, everyone's going to remember that that uh that's that little bit in the playoffs against the Ducks where he was essentially was running an entire shift. Yeah, I mean that was. I, that was a, kind of cool, um, but I think Weber is going to be able to do that in a, a more limited role more effectively. Okay. Question number two: Which player is more likely to have a bounce back season, Mike Ribeiro or Pecorino? That's a good one. I'll say Pecorino. Nowhere to go but up, baby. If Pecorino has a merely average season, I'll yeah. count that as a bounce back. I mean. Ribeiro had a he still had 60 points right I mean Ribeiro scratched during the playoffs sure but you know if we're talking about over the regular season he's still a needs 60, to have the summer of his life 60 point player who can can dish assist now I'm not saying anything you know my answer still Pecorine I think he'll he'll he, he will, he's the most likely to have a bounce back I don't like this question. That's exactly why I asked. Well, it's it. not that it's hard. I just don't like any of the answers. Yeah, because you're, you're betting against a goaltender fighting against time. And injuries. Versus a player that, frankly, his game doesn't really depend a whole lot on age. It doesn't depend a whole lot on speed because, you know, he's he wants to just slow the game down into like a, you know, there's not exactly a shot clock in the NHL. So yeah, <laughs> I mean, well, that works until the other team realizes they can just take the buck away from him. Yeah. I mean, all, all things considered, with, with the right deployment, I think it's easier for Ribeiro to have a bounce back through the course of the season. Um, I mean, Pekka has always been a bit of an up-and-down goaltender. It's just that, historically, his ups, or his downs have been a little more, like, around average-ish, where his ups have been really, really high. Um, There's really just not a great answer here, because I keep going back and forth. Because I think it might be easier for Ribeiro, but I, I think Peck is more likely 
to be just at least average. And if he's average, the Predators were, were, were a substantially better team last year. So I think it's fine to expect him to be around average again. Yeah, here's the big difference is that if, you know, the Pecorino struggles, okay, fine. We'll give you some time to work through this. Ribeiro struggles, he's out. Yeah. He's out of line. Um, by the way, I misspoke. It was, he's a, he, he was a 50-point player last year, but he was 60 points the year before. But yeah. Either way. Number three, aside from Pecorino, what Nashville Predators player is most important to the team achieving more than they did last year? UC Soros. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say Ryan Johansson. Yeah, I don't like repeating everybody else, anybody else's answers, but yeah, I think it's Ryan Johansson. If he comes in and actually has the season that he needs to have. Get out of my brain. You want my real answer? Absolutely. Um, I really, I, I want to see... And, and I know this might be unreasonable, but I'm going to say it anyways. I want to see Philip Forsberg go even further. Um, I, you know, I want him to really come in and, and make a huge, huge statement. I mean, he's he's gotten a bigger, bigger profile. Um, I mean, he, he's shown that he can do a little bit to break down the extra coverage that comes with that. I want to see him, him, you know, not just maintain, but I want him to see him go up. And that's a lot to ask. Um, but, I, you know, I, I think it would do really a lot of good for the team uh do a lot for kind of the, the locker room essence do a lot for the fan base do a lot for the franchise because if ryan johansson kind of follows through and has a really good season he's going to kind of be what people envision ryan johansson of always having achieved and never quite being able to repeat in columbus philip forsberg is building himself his own swedish legend um you know he could be like the next really iconic Swedish player if, if in the next few years. And I think that could be huge for the city. Yeah, I know it's kind of gotten lost in the whole P.K. Subban trade over the summer, but Philip Forsberg has essentially reshaped this franchise in his own image. Like in his second year, or third year rather, he tied the uh, franchise record in goals. He could, if he plays with Ryan Johansson and Johansson plays like he should, he should hit 40 goals, and we've never had a 40-goal scorer. This is a, from an art, a Sportsnet article from uh, Mike Johnston, and uh, I think one of you guys clipped this. Um, this is, uh, let's see here, Tommy, uh, this, I'm not sure how to pronounce the last name. It looks like Boosted or Bousted. Um, we know him well. He's been in our program since he was 15. Our head coach has been working with him since he was a kid. They know each other very well. He will be team captain of the national team one day because he's always because he always used to captain our junior teams. He's, the, <laughs> he's a very nice person. He's the best goal scorer on our team. The fact that he shoots right is beneficial since most Swedish players shoot left. He's extra special because he not only because only not he's extra special not only because he's an excellent goal scorer, but he's a right shooter. He's a positive guy that makes his teammates better. He doesn't suck energy. He gives energy to the group. That's what you want to hear. Jeez, that's something that like you 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 dream of someone like describing your game about. Wow. Okay. Sold. Yeah, the fact that he came out and said, you know, he's our next captain. He's following what Zetterberg and Sedin as being the next Swedish captain. And he's only, what, 22, 23? 21, 22, I think. He's a baby. Yeah. Wow. Number four, if you had your way, where would Cal Yarncrook play the majority of his minutes in 2016? Wing, center, top line, middle line? This well, isn't like your realistic predictions. This is what you want. You know, I... I Looking back at last season, I really liked when Yarncroke was clicking as a as a left wing left winger in the top line. He just seemed really comfortable there. Uh, 
and I feel kind of bad saying because I'm always like we we like that the Predators have a history of switching centers to wing pretty liberally. I still think that partially ruined Colin Wilson's development to this day. Um, but Yarncroke seems to to click wherever you put him. Like he can play the center role, but he can play a similar role on, on the left side and maybe be a little bit more crash bang and and I think his his game just lends to that. So um yeah I, I think if uh if he's struggling on like a third line center role because that's that's the other thing he's like a he's like a middle of the pack center but he, he i think he can he can skate with them on the first second line easy on the left wing um i, I think you, you can move him up there and, and find some success which is kind of an interesting shift to put a player through but i think he, he could do it i'd be happiest if he was a if he was a solid left wing um He's got that defensive brand of hockey that he can that he can bust out at any time on any line. Um, I, I mentioned earlier, kind of like Arvidsson, I think he can fit anywhere. I just think I feel like our center for the first time in a while, our, our center positions are are almost locked down. Uh, regardless of what happens with Mike, Mike Ribeiro, well, not regardless, but assuming that Mike Ribeiro does play center for this team this year, uh, I feel like the center pieces are are there. Um, because of that, I feel like he would really flourish best uh, at that left wing position. I want him at center um, simply because of the, of the structure that that gives us. Um, unless uh, Tom Ed actually manages to, you know, work his way up from Milwaukee, and then Yarncrook on the left wing would be okay. But I do, as far as our lineup goes, I really like him in the three C role. I'm with you on the three C part because that means that you know that you're getting production from the top line. Yeah. Finally, number five, have you talked yourself into thinking the Nashville Predators are a Stanley Cup contender? I have not had that conversation with myself. <laughs> perfectly honest. So have you convinced yourself? Right now? Yeah. I, 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 I guess no, because I haven't gone through that emotional journey. Do you see yourself? <laughs> There's no mirrors in this entire room. There's no mirrors in this entire room. Can you envision yourself believing the Nashville Predators are a Stanley Cup contender for the upcoming NHL season? I, yeah, I could envision myself someday believing that. This year? Yeah, if we're talking about envisioning, sure. Someone else, please. Yeah, I have them. I don't have them in the Stanley Cup final, but I do have them in the conference final. So I, I think they have what it takes. I just don't know if the pieces will all fall like they need to. Yeah, I, I, you know, no. Actually, no. I'm, I'm not convinced that they can be a Stanley Cup team yet. Uh, Pecorine, I think, is the main obstacle in the way. Um, but conference final, for sure. <laughs> Link is pointing at Juicy Soros as if uh, it is the light that leads us. Um, um, <laughs> so I, I, I do think Pecorine is the one thing that, that stands in our way. Uh, but <laughs> I don't think... I don't think that he stands in the way of a conference final. Um, and so I, I, th- I think I would agree with Marty in that. Yeah. Uh, I think that if uh, Rene does get lit up, I think after the season that he had last year, I don't think they'd, they would hesitate to, uh, to maybe, you know, try UC up there, maybe try Maz up there, you know, at some point. I mean, the Dallas Stars were a bad team that was relying on goaltending that they couldn't trust. And I think that's a very, I was saying, let me rephrase that. They were a good team relying on bad goaltending. And at least goaltending that they didn't trust. And, they're um, a, we're an eh team. 
that scored a lot of goals. They scored a lot of goals, and they were put. They, but they put their tilting in a position where you know where they were defending against breakaways a, a bit more than probably what they should have. And I think there's a, there's that's a little bit of a cautionary, cautionary tale with the type of defense the Predators have assembled. Right. Um, and Rene has not a, has not improved in one on one situations in the last couple of years. So I was very impressed with Mazanitz on one on one on the past two games. Yeah, he's a big guy that his positioning is is good. I mean, he did, he when he first came up here, you and I talked about like he was trying to do too much athletically and relying on his athleticism too much as opposed to his positioning. I think his positioning has improved. I don't think he is going to be the goaltender that Saros is going to be. But you know, if you're just trying to get a good ceiling for a backup goaltender, he's fine. Yeah, I, I'm not worried about uh, Mizanix. Yeah, I got that name almost right. Um, I'm not worried about him. Uh, I I think. You know, my, my casual observations on goaltenders, because they are like a monolith, an indecipherable monolith covered in handling writing to me sometimes. Uh, you know, you get a, you get, you're seeing a shift towards a more position-based goaltending style being preferred. I mean, you always, before it was always very athletic, very athletic, you know. And, yeah. But now, it, so, and also getting really, really big guys. So the, the elite guys, like I think Ben Bishop, you look at Ben Bishop, not only does he have great positioning, but he's also massive, so that's why he's so good. So then you have guys who are more average height or or smaller who happen to have really good positioning and really good at reading plays, more so and more with a big big emphasis on that, and they're being able to be successful. Um, so I just I, I get excited about something new in in net. Lastly, this is not a five tough question. Ask this is for the this is for uh, Alex and Maria. You were seeing a picture of Mike Fisher with his new haircut. That is Chris Link. Are we are we trying to right, can we connect the dots where Mike Fisher is trying to remake himself in the image of Chris Link? I see where you're going with this, but in my opinion, Mike Fisher looks like he's going to church. Right. I, that's the standard. That's the default. Mike Fisher. Either he's going hunting or he's going to church. Yeah, but this time this haircut is church. The other haircut was hunting. I just that the the part in his hair. Here's the one difference I would say. I, I know what you're saying, and I think Mario pointed this out. The part in Mike Fisher's hair is is visible from space. Yeah, he doesn't quite have like a soccer like we've all seen like the soccer haircut. You go to the bar, you go to the, you know your barber. Hey, I, I want soccer, and they just like start shaving. You know, a cut in. I don't see that. I in, don't see that. I don't see that in Link, and that is a good thing for Link. Well, I should also point out I have a haircut Wednesday this week, so this is like. About a week longer than I typically typically get, and also we're gonna enjoy this for like half a week, um, right? I mean, it's like a totally different cut and style. I don't even understand. <laughs> He's using a lot more product. As someone as someone who takes hair very seriously, that's a, just a totally different style. Like the way you even cut that is different. Mm, yeah, I can see that. I'm, I'm still, the moment I saw him, I was like, it's Chris Lake. I feel like you're projecting, Dan. I I've, I mean, we're talking about the Predators have embraced like a new style, and, and, and he went away from his iconic Canadian, you know, whatever that was, and now he's... I think he looks like a dad, and so I I, I feel like you're saying that I look like like, like I should be driving a no, SUV no. from Mount Juliet. <laughs> I think that you're looking at this all wrong, sir. I think that, you know, a a, a very successful you are being compared player. to what is commonly referred to as one of the most more attractive man and players on just the team. Hair though, 
See, I don't have the. I definitely don't have the jaw. That's. I, I, mean, I don't know that he was saying that necessarily. We were focusing on the hair, but I mean, he does have kind of like the like the the two guard beard too. You know. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. There you go. I, I mean, just something to think about. This is a, this is I mean, and Link, you've you've been this handsome the moment that I've I met you many years ago, and now he's trying to. Okay, I'll stop. Yeah, this is this is. Uh, I don't know where this is going. <laughs> uh, it's stopping. You don't have to worry about where it's going. <laughs> so, um, uh, last uh, we'll a uh, couple of programming notes here. Uh, next episode will be our big old uh, league-wide preview, an annual tradition, unlike any other. Usually involves Excel or a notebook. Probably Excel this year. Uh, anything else uh, before we close up shop on this episode? Um. What were they? I've seen the picture of like PK celebrating. It's okay. He's giving away like has a jacket in one hand, has a shirt in the other. Were they giving away jackets last night? Oh, they didn't give one to me. No, but like, was he chuck? We had to chuck a jacket in the stands. I don't understand what happened here. No, I left the four three stars, but Ah. I think that was a t-shirt. But it's like a weird color. What is this? Yeah, it looks like a jacket. Okay. Uh, the old. I did want to mention one thing. Uh-huh. Um, what's the price tag we're thinking on Johansson right now? What What is the... Uh, um, depend, I think depending on points this year, but I'd say like six and a half, seven. I was thinking more like seven, yeah. Yeah, okay. I think seven's more of a likely just because of how rare... Seven by seven, maybe? Yeah, seven by seven. Okay. That's the natural tradition. What, any, anybody else have any thoughts? I know, right? Keeping it even numbers, right? Yeah. S- seven by six, just to be different. Well, I... 7.5 by seven... I don't. I don't know. It's something about max term contracts make me okay. Uncomfortable. Now, I do think the Predators are going to try to, you know, I mean, the, we talked about this uh, earlier in the summer. They're trying for like the six-year window with Forsberg, Ekholm, goaltending situation, the defense. I think that's about fair. Mm-hmm. So, okay, that's good. So you don't see six-year competitive windows in sports anymore. Not really. Not not for this town. Not in this sport. No, I mean, like what we're seeing in Chicago and L.A. is an anomaly. So enjoy it, please. So you can find Link on Twitter at 3D Link. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexDarty1. You can find Mario on Twitter at, is it underscore Mario K? Underscore Mario underscore K. You can find myself at Dan D. Bradley, assuming I tweet anything. Finally, follow the, you can follow the show and follow the uh, website at on the forecheck. Listen to the podcast. Everyone have a good time, and we'll talk to you next week. Well, what's a honk you gotta do around here?